What's up, you beautiful souls? Welcome to another episode of Get Close. I'm your co-host, Gio. And I'm Bart. And today we got another special episode because this is Q&A part two. Um, I posted on my stories. Do you guys have any questions? Very embarrassingly, by the way. What do you mean? You were like, uh, so what am I supposed to do? Because like, I can't check what, like, what, 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 I don't know do how to use the social medias, okay? But you're in the social medias, brother. I know, but I'm, I was, it's, look, it's just hard. What are you good at then, dude? Literally nothing. Okay, good. Fuck, I can't talk anymore shit. So I got a couple of good questionos and we'll get right to it. Uh, FA5 Chris wants to know, were you ever insecure about Gio being taller than you? Oh. For me, I was never, ever insecure. Were you ever insecure that I was shorter than you? What makes you never, ever insecure? What? Why? How did that come about? I think, if anything, I was uh, over-secure. <laughs> Explain. So I think because dudes are typically insecure or girls are typically insecure with the dude being shorter than them. I felt like because I was with you, I was like achieving the unachievable. Mm, some like fucking trophy. Yeah. Fair. All right, fair. Yeah. Was I, I, felt like I, I was like, I tamed the lion. Yeah. <laughs> Lioness. Um, was I ever insecure? I think in the beginning of our relationship, so you weren't the first short guy I dated yeah. or had like a relationship with. Yeah. So my insecurities were non-existent since the very beginning, right? Because if I wasn't secure, I would never be in a three-year plus relationship with someone that was shorter than me. Oh, really? That was Maybe three it was years? two years. Maybe it was two years. That, uh, that, I actually had two short boyfriends. That stereotypical thing never bothered you? Like, like oh, like I want my guy to like hold me, like make well, me feel Well, because small. when I would hear shit like that, I was like, bitch, you're insecure. Like, that's why, because I want him to protect me. And I'm like, you think height's going to protect you? Height's not going to do shit for you if this fool can't run fast, if he's not athletic, if he's not, like, lifting, if he's not, like, a guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if he doesn't have, like, some sort of testosterone in his body. Yeah. Like, height ain't going to mean shit. So I wanted someone that was capable instead of mm. someone that's just tall but, like, is fucking scrawny. Like, I want to feel little. I'm like, okay, but, yeah. like, can he really protect you? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Um, my boyfriends that were shorter could I felt like they could protect me, you know? Um, so I didn't care about the height if they weren't if they were capable. I see. So and capability was more important than the height. A hundred percent. And um confidence. If they felt insecure about being with me, then I'm like, Oh my god, that this thing, just height, is gonna make you feel bad about yourself yeah you're on weak foundation like we're not even on the same plane yeah i remember you saying that like uh tim although he's like five three but he feels like someone that's six feet tall. yeah that's very attractive and that's way more important than someone yeah. that is actually six feet but feels like, yeah short. i've met so many tall guys that are like oh i just wish i was i'm not even that tall i wish i was like a little bit taller and i'm like you are too weak for me, dude. Mm. Um, so because of that, it never made me feel insecure. Um, I just always wanted to make sure that my partners felt good. So like when I was with you and we were first together in the first, I love wearing high heels and I love dressing up and shit like that. Uh, even though I don't look like it right now because Bart has the fucking AC at literally like 61 and I'm freezing my nuts literally, off. Literally, I think 73. 
Well, I think this shit is broken. Okay, because our 73 in our other fucking room is different than this one. This one that feels like it's 63. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to make sure you felt comfortable. So when the first time I would wear like high heels and stuff and there is like the four inches of difference, I was just like, are you going to be okay? So I think I felt insecure for you. No, I was until like, you were like, I was like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, you my fucking hot bitch. My elephant is bigger than you thought. Can I be a giraffe? My giraffe is taller you. than you thought. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I yeah. never, yeah, I never felt That's uh, insecure about that. Will you ever, um, Vit Wodachi asks, will you ever franchise BB and what will it take to franchise it? Mm. <laughs> that was a funny reaction. Mm. Oh, man. So this has been our first brick and mortar business, mine, uh, first real alone business. Um, because when I, I learned a lot of business doing, you know, working for or with JK that I was able to bring a lot of it with me and I built a lot of confidence in me and like, I'm like, wow, I'm really capable of a lot of shit. And, um, so, but it was an online business. There's no, there's no real overhead. There's no brick and mortar type shit. Right. And then starting a gym and then all these other things for the gym, right? So there's a gym, the supplement arm, there's a, there's the apparel, there's the productions, there's like a lot of other businesses atti- uh, attached to it that like we've just been, I've just been going through a lot of trial and error with every single one because every single business model has to run differently. Yes, the operation part of it is, are all very similar. That's why you can see a lot of these CEOs going from industry to industry because operation wise um uh or just like ceo in is very similar it doesn't matter what industry you're in um but they all function so differently that i i'm like i just want to really refine things and bring them up to a level that i'm super proud of before i can start expanding anything yeah that's where i'm at too i'm not against the idea i just think everything is about timing and the right place yeah because if you scale something that has problems, the problems scale as well as the good stuff. So I'm not op- I'm not uh, against it. I'm definitely down to franchise it, but it would have to be like at a point where I feel like it is spick and span. Yeah. Um, everything is like really at least above 95% of what I think it can be. Yeah. Then we will scale it. And then that way, as we're scaling, um, the, the problems are like manageable. Yeah, and also, um, you know, we have to remember that, like, we invested 10 years of our life, you know, with JK. And within those 10 years, I want to say the last, like, eight, obviously, because we've been in it for eight years. um, You know, we, not even eight, six years, we were hitting it hard at both. We were building Barbell, and we were building JK. We were building our own personal stuff, and there was, like, a lot of building and stacking of you know, chips and, and, and assets and stuff um, that once we knew we were going to have Tyco, we, we, were, we said we're in a very stable place right now um, that we can back off of the hustle and now put that hustle mindset into our family so things naturally have to slow down. So because we're in that phase right now where we're building and stacking these chips with our family, 
we, you know, within the internal love and, and setting good morals and foundation for our son and our, our, our own relationship and our own like little family dynamic here that um, all the other stuff, because it's stable and it's doing well, um, we can back off on it. But once we see that Taika is a little bit more independent and needs us less, which is, it feels like it's right around the corner. It really feels like it's right around the fucking corner. Really? Every month, I swear, Taika is such an independent person. Like the Taika he was in jujitsu last year versus oh, this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy crap. It's such a different kid, How old man. does he have to be before you let him walk to school by himself? Let's I say don't know. If, let's say we live the block away. Man, I grew up in the fucking hood, so I don't know if I'll ever feel comfortable. Because I just know how easy things happen. Mm. You know, I know how bad people work. I don't know. I've seen too many things. We live in a really good neighborhood. Though. I know, but I've seen too many things. And if it's not necessary, then it's not necessary. I see. Um, but yes, once we see that Taika has more independence, we have no other choice than to fucking go at it again because that's just what we know how to do. We only, we're builders, you know? Yeah, and yeah. we like building and we love working and we like uh, building things that are very uh, fun and and um, um, we really enjoy. So... I, I don't see why we wouldn't go in that route in, in anything that we do. But right now, it seems like things are slowing down. Possibly. I don't know if, if you guys see it on the outside. But, like, we're so focused on family right now that, like, all the other things are just kind of, like, cool. I didn't even let you answer. No. I did, I did answer. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, okay. This one, I think, is more for me. Moises Rodriguez 13 asks, why do you keep... Moises. Oh, Moises. Moses. Why do you keep gaining weight and losing weight? Yeah, Bar, why? Ever I since swear we've been together. you've cut six times in these last two years. No, I have not cut six times in the last two years. But I do gain weight and lose weight. So um, for me, I think it's a personal journey and personal endeavor where um, I'm trying to conquer not really my physical because I've done it before. but it's, Physique, you mean? Or like my physical realm. Okay. I think I've conquered my physical realm. I'm more trying to conquer my own mental realm and spiritual realm. Hmm. So like um, growing up, I've always been the tiny kid, right? Like I didn't even break 100 pounds until I was 15 years old. So I was skinny, scrawny. And uh, from high school, from freshman year till senior year, I was like, man, I got to put on some weight. Um, I want to be strong. I want to have muscle. So I lifted my ass off. And by the time I graduated high school, I think I was about 165. And I was very proud of it. I was like, and I benched like 265. And I was like, I felt really, like, really proud of what I put put on. Damn, 265 on 165? Yeah. That's I, really good. I uh, went to boot camp, come back out 130. So um, super small, small again, because you're really malnourished there, you know, and it's just nonstop cardio. So I started pounding the weights again, pounding food, uh, got myself up to about like, I think like 210 maybe, 215. And I was kind of big. I was just doing like the dirty, bulking bodybuilder lifestyle. And then when it came time to getting uh, promoted in the Marine Corps, you have to do well on your PFT and you have to like have regs, like regulations. PFT, physical. Fitness test. Oh, fitness test. So I was like, oh shit, I haven't been running. So I need to run. And also my, I'm kind of big in the midsection now. So I need to get down because like you know like in the marine corps leaders lead from the front so you got to be able to run with your troops you got to be ahead you know like you got to be just as capable as anyone else and you'll notice like what's interesting is as you go up in rank 
the busier you are, right? Because you have more like responsibility. But those guys actually train the hardest too. Like the higher ranking guy, they train really hard. So I was like, okay, cool. I got to get myself in shape. Started running a lot more. And that's when I kind of went back down to like about like 180, mid 180-ish. And that's what I held on to for a very long time. Like I felt like that was pretty comfortable. I was strong and athletic. And then I, uh, uh, that's when I was like doing most of my JK at around 180, 190. I did my first powerlifting meet. Oh, and then I got really into CrossFit because then that's when like functional fitness uh, came in. And it was like a really big deal. So I really got into that and I got down CrossFit's to like, cool. Yeah, I got down to like 175 and we're playing basketball all the time. So we're I was probably running to the park. Running to the park, doing CrossFit there, running back, playing basketball. Um, and that was probably the leanest I got for a while. It was like 175. And then so uh, when I did my first powerlifting meet, I saw some state records that I thought I could break. So I dropped down to 165 to compete. I didn't break them, but I did hit some pretty cool PRs. I deadlifted 500 or 501 at 165. At that time, I was a top 50 deadlifter in the nation, which is really, really cool across federations. And then I got really into powerlifting. And into powerlifting, I started, you know, having like my own new idols and who I looked up to. And so I really want to just put on size because in powerlifting, it really benefits you when you're a big square. So I started getting heavier, 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 heavier. Got from 165 back up to my normal weight, 180, 190. You saw me compete there a couple times. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to just bulk and see if I could hit some of these lifetime numbers that I wanted, which is bench 400, deadlift 6, squat 5. Got all the way up to 230. And uh, when I got all the way up to 230... Um, I came really close to benching 400. I benched 391. Wow. With competition plates. I benched, oh, I deadlifted six, but my squat was 475. I think squat was like, I had a confidence issue, skill issue, all and that. My form was pretty whack. Yeah, my form was a skill issue. And then I was like, I just wanted to talk shit. Fine, thank you. And I felt really like nasty. Like I was just out of breath all the time. And then so I started cutting back down. And you were so close. I, I know, I was so close. I probably should have just bulk, kept bulking for another three months. I would have hit 405 for sure. Started cutting back down, and then I was hovering around like a 180, 190 uh, for a while. And for some reason, uh, when we're about to have Taika, I figured I was just going to get lean. I don't know why. Because you're an asshole? Probably. And I don't know why. So I'm like, this is the fucking craziest I'm ever going to look, heaviest I'm ever going to be. And you're like, uh, I'm going to be like my peak god physique. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe, I don't know, maybe I was just so sick of being fat. So I started, you know, scaling back down. So right around when we had Taika, I was lean again. That's why I was like, look good in all the photos. Like the cover of a Get Lean photo is probably when Taika was like like one or two maybe around there or like maybe even before he was one. And then I trained for a marathon. Um, didn't really care about how I looked. I really just wanted to make sure I was able to run the whole time. And then pandemic happened. Pandemic happened. I was actually pretty lean throughout the pandemic too until we moved. And then like we got all this pandemic food. So we're like, we don't want it to go to waste. So I started eating the frozen pizzas or whatever. But I was have. still leaning out and you didn't give a shit. Oh, well, because I'm like, I'm going to, if we're going to get rid of this food, I might as well do a good job. So if there's two pizzas, I'll eat two pizzas at a time. So I started eating all that food, started getting the weight. And then, you know, I just caught the yummy food bug again. So I just started going. Yeah, for two years, you were just like yeah, going just ham. Just going ham. And then not even knowing how much I weighed, in my mind, I kept thinking I was 190. And then uh, I forgot what it was, but for a shoot, um, I think it was with Silent Mike or something. But for a shoot, I was at the, the the gym scale at Barbell. I stood on it and it said 224 with my clothes on. I'm like, 224? What the? So I was like, okay, this is unacceptable. And uh, I'm like, 
I do want to chase my. Do you feel bad for me? Where you're like, God damn it, poor Gio. No, because every year I check in with you because I know attraction is a huge thing. So every year I go, Hey, does this turn you off? Does this turn you off? And you always say no. I'm like, No, I don't care. I'm like, Cool. So I always check in with you because I, I want to make sure I'm attract. Uh, you're attracted to me too. And then uh, I end up hitting my 500 squat. I got 515. Really happy about that because usually when my weight comes down, that's the first thing that goes. Got that. And then so now I'm coming back down. And uh, the goal right now is to be the leanest I've ever been. Um, while being strong and then I'm just gonna keep that and I think that's gonna be my best overall like dad physique uh, Best physique to go into jujitsu with to do all the other endeavors I want to do in life and also still look good for photo shoots and all that. Yeah. Yeah, that's my journey. Thank goodness I feel like you've done it fat skinny fat skinny way more than that, but really? these are the big ones I mean, it feels I'm, like I'm, it. I might have done a few little mini cuts mini bulks here and there, but that's generally like my Mm. whole trajectory it just feels like like a lot but after this i'm just gonna maintain and just keep it there cool yeah next one uh speaking of being fat benji thongsies asks are you guys making a video series for the get lean challenge mm -hmm. well we actually are yeah we are so uh we have um 12 episodes planned out for the 12 weeks of the get lean program so if you get the get lean program um it is 12 weeks long and uh we have two episodes uploaded to the barbell brigade channel already so make sure you go check that out the first one is just our ways or dexa scan we want to get baseline numbers as accurate as possible our second video is our most intense workout from wave one because there's three waves the three main uh, four main waves in there and uh, we're going to be documenting this this whole series. So I think this is cool because... Um, well, and you're missing the biggest piece here. You and I are doing it together and we're competing against each other. Yeah. So there's a couple pieces. The other thing that I was going to say that's a big piece is I think for a lot of people, because their weight loss journey is by themselves, um, it's difficult. You know, it's easier when you do things in a group. Yeah. Which is why we, we want to make it a competition mm. where it's a community-based thing. So it doesn't matter if you're in Australia or Singapore. We can do this together with the series so you feel like we're all doing it together. Yeah. And uh, I think in July or August, we're going to hold a Get Lean event at the gym. So everyone that's running it, let's all go and just lift together have a really good time. So we're trying to have that thing where it's just the community, international community doing it together. And then to make it competitive, you and I are competing with each other. Yeah. Um, oh, lots of Gitlin questions. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Georgie Dominguez asks, do you think there will be a time that you will no longer be influencers, a.k.a. retired? Um, well, I don't think either one of us ever set out to be an influencer. Um, we're literally just living our life and like, um, we're just doing the shit that we find fun. So you don't, uh categorize yourself as an influencer no what's the definition of an influencer and what's the definition of what you're doing i don't know i feel like an influencer is someone that wants to um put all of their shit out there right <laughs> is that what we do i know right as soon as i said that i was like, <laughs> I was Wait. like we vlog we well do. okay so i think so okay the reason why i said it like that was um i personally never wanted to be on camera right but it was because of the work that i was in with you guys that we just needed it to be that way so then it kind of just organically happened that way. So um, if I were to fade away in the blackness, I'm totally cool. Um, and it's not something that I'm aspiring to like keep and maintain. Like I'm not, I'm not someone, I don't want to um, continue to be 
like in the in like in the camera so eventually i would want to like just be gone mm. that 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 would be like an ultimate goal of mine is to um and i don't know how realistic that is right because technology is is changing so much and the landscape is changing so much like even our our business meetings now that used to be held in person are now online so um like grocery shopping i do that online like everything is happening online that I don't know how feasible or how realistic this goal of this eventual goal of mine is to just be completely off the grid. Yeah. Um, in terms of like social media and stuff, um, but if I am on it, it'll just be because I'm just trying to uh, create some memories. Mm. So that's what I mean. Like I don't, I'm not aspiring to stay on it. Like I'm not like going, please let me be here. Oh, you know. Yeah, I think. Um... I think the term influencer has changed over the years. Yeah, it used to be really bad. Because for for me, I think I wanted to do comedy. The social media aspect was just a way for that to happen and to yeah. get the content out. And also even with fitness, I just want to be in fitness. Yeah. And I think the social media... Con uh, concept is just to help get that out. Yeah, it's like an amplifier. It's or an ampli it was. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I think uh, with the vlog stuff where we share, share our families, I think that's a little bit more towards the influencer side of things. Um, but I would say it evolved there because uh, I think the term influencer now, it's people that will want to be on social media. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so the social media is the thing rather than the amplifier, which is why you'll sometimes see a fitness person doing a dance. It's because they're just doing whatever they can to maximize the social media aspect of it, not so much the fitness aspect of it. And I think for for me, um, I wanted to maximize comedy. So even so, if the skit was the funniest, I'll put that out there. I don't write the skits to get the most views. I write the skits to get to be the funniest. You know, so in that regard, I'm not the best influencer because I'm not working the algorithm or whatever. I'm trying to m more focus on the art. Same thing with like our, our uh, fitness brand bottle brigade and stuff like that. Um, so for me, because of that, if I end up uh, running out of the thing that I want to do, I could totally see myself not being a influencer. Yeah, same. But like if I found myself like, let's say, uh, writing or directing and I had such a big avenue there that I didn't need social media to amplify, I probably same. wouldn't use it. Yeah, 100% Because I see it as a tool rather than the thing. Yeah. Yeah. But nothing against people that use it as the thing. No, the just... people that are using it as a thing um are fucking smashing it and you can tell because they have like top-notch quality they know hooks yeah, yeah. they know the algorithm they yeah, know yeah, yeah. all everyone in their their immediate circle their competitors like they're on it you yeah. know and that's why I, like like you i don't consider myself an influencer either yeah this episode of get close is brought to you by zip recruiter i'm super excited to travel this summer because one of my favorite things about traveling is experiences right and have you noticed that the most impactful experiences from vacations or restaurants or the places that you go is generally from outstanding staff, whether it's the hotel concierge that makes you feel extremely warm and welcome into their family, or it's the tour guide who knows how to tie in the physical places with personal stories, or the waiter or server who knows how to go above and beyond what's just listed on the menu. The way they describe the food or they find out what your interest is, they can purposefully and very 
well pair what you're looking for with like another drink and all of these people are outstanding talent and that is crucial for a successful business and if you're hiring you can find talent for roles like these and more at ZipRecruiter when you try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash get close. Us at Barbell Brigade, we have personally used it before and it is freaking awesome because they have a powerful technology to find and match the right candidates with your job. And you can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. So you can even look for people that haven't applied specifically for your position but you're looking for those positions and you can find the people that have already submitted so on the other side if you're applying and you're a well-qualified candidate people are scouting all the time so remember when you want to upgrade your business this summer make sure to find the top talent at ziprecruiter.com slash get close that's where you can try it for free that's ziprecruiter.com slash get close um hln712 asks what's the best advice for an interracial couple what's the best advice for an interracial couple um there needs to be a lot of understanding i don't know what races we're talking about right yeah. like if we're if it's mexican to chinese there's a lot of similarities and there's like a lot of crossover um so it's not very difficult to understand where you're coming from with certain things and vice versa. Um, but if it's something that's super extreme, like, I don't know, I can't think of any right now. Do you now. think there's an obstacle there though? Like, cause we're both American, right? But do you think there's still a gap between Mexican American and Chinese American? I think there would be, uh, for sure really? there would be. Um, but I think what helped us, and this is the piece of advice that I would want to give, is that I actually, hung out with a lot of asian people i i i not that i went out of my way to study it right but to a certain extent i am studying the culture i am studying the interactions i am listening to how they say things like i'm i'm definitely trying to be respectful of the culture and trying to um um like it still have that in our relate like in our friendship even yeah um so like uh I, I really do try to understand where it comes from. And I'm really trying to take their culture and just be like, oh, okay, that, let me be respectful about this. Like, these are your customs. Cool. I understand it. Like, anything that I can take from the culture so that I can understand it, so that I can t treat them with respect and honor that, then then I think that's really helpful. Is there a, um, would you say there's a difference between interracial friendships and interracial couples? Yes. There is. Yes. What's the difference? I think there's more leeway with the friendship. Okay. Right? Like if you um, fumble on certain customs or whatever, or if you say um, things that are like a little bit out of line, I think there's more leeway, right? Because it's like, well, you didn't know. But when it comes to a, a actual relationship, now you're dealing with your significant other, but you're also dealing with their family. And like, there's just so many more elements to it. And you guys are together every single day. So for yours, it's more about... Um making sure there's the correct communication and understanding. Yeah, because when you come from different, so already you're coming from different families, right? Those are already different sets of values, um, upbringing, all that stuff, right? Family dynamic, how they talk to each other, all that. And then you add another layer, which is a cultural difference. That's, that's really stressful. If you are not respectful to that even being a thing. Mm. Yeah. Would you say that 
um, is it easier than to be same race couples? For certain things, it would be easier. Yeah, because then you guys are already on the same page. Yeah. Right. Like, let's say let's say you, you, you grew up Buddhist. Right. And this is more of a religious thing, but it tends to work out this way also with cultures. But you're Buddhist. I'm Catholic. I want to put Taika now to start doing his like first communion, for example. And you're going to be like, well, why? You know, I'm Buddhist. Like my family and all that, we didn't have to do any of that stuff. But if we were both Catholic and we grew up, because Catholicism is really big in, in Mexicans um, or in Mexican culture, then it's it's a, it's already a given. It's like as soon as he became this age, it's like, oh, hey, we should already start picking his Nino and Ninas. You know, like it's already a, we're speaking the same language already. I see. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, for me, I never saw interracial couples as a hurdle. Same. Ever since I was a kid. Same. Because I've been having uh, interracial friends. And so I've always oh, been already trying to like seek understanding on both ways, you know, like, and I think maybe that helped out with me just being open minded as a kid. Because I remember going to my best friend, uh, he was Filipino, his house. And there was like four grandmas that lived there. And I was like, oh, shit. That's cool. And then um, we were like walking around the house and their master bedroom isn't where the parents live. Isn't that crazy? Their master bedroom is like six twin size beds. So they have a kid's room. Mm. Isn't that cool? That is cool. So the the parents. They didn't see it as like this is the grown up one. They just thought this has the most space we need to put. Let's put all the kids in here. And I'm like, how fun. It's literally a slumber party. So there's uh there's like six beds in there so there was i think two or three families that lived there it's a big house but it was like two or three families that lived there so the cousins slept with each other they all lived there then uh one uh set of parents lived in one room that was not the master another set of parents lived in another uh room that was not the master and there was the random like uh unmarried older uncle that lived in the attic with all the pornos that we would always sneak up to go check out. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, this is so cool. Cause like you always, you always think things are set a certain way, you know, yeah. like master bedroom, parents go in there. Yeah. And when I went there, I was like, Oh, that's so cool. And, um, then I would go to like my friends, my other friend's house who was interracial, like his parents was a uh, half white, half Chinese. And I would just hear his parents, like have a conversation with them. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. I never even have a conversation with my parents. It's a one way street, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so just like, seeing how things could be picking and choose what i liked i always just knew that like uh you always have to seek understanding regardless if you're the same race or not yeah and maybe because i was blessed with that where i was the minority like i think we were the only chinese family on the block uh, i always felt like getting that rapport you have to establish yeah versus i think it might be different where like let's say all your friends are asian and all of a sudden you're dating someone white then it's like uh, and if you go to their family's house and they're all white too, then it might be a huge culture shock because you never had to establish rapport before. The whole community was already on shorthand. Yeah. You know? Uh, but I think for me, every relationship I ever had was already, I had to establish rapport. So it became like just second nature. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, no, I didn't have that. I think just growing up, um, I was always just so different and so fascinated by different cultures. The only one I had the most access to were like Japanese and Chinese people. So because of that, I was so intrigued and like um, just so curious as to like like how they live so differently than me and the people I grew up around. Because all Mexican people that I was around did the same shit the same way we did. 
So it was just normal. But it wasn't until I started having friends that weren't Mexican that I go to their house and I'm like, oh shit, you guys use food scissors? What the fuck are these food scissors? And they just look like regular scissors, but you just use it on food and shit like that would blow my mind. Yeah. You know, like, wait, you take your shoes off because it's dirty. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh shit. So you're grandma okay so wait you have to live here and then your grandma has this say and then the, oh we don't eat until this person oh you're not supposed to shake their hand oh it's a bowing oh shit that's so interesting how cool you know um another thing i would say is is don't take everything personally when they don't understand your background because right now um or at least when i was growing up it just felt like uh when i was introducing my family members that are of older generations they would ask questions that seem so fucking ignorant and so um you know out of touch if you will that like i, I would get so defensive because i was used to just being like what the fuck you e like erase color lines and don't be a racist and this stuff right that i would just like be like what the fuck like are they trying to be racist but it wasn't until i was able to put that aside where i'm like oh shit they're genuinely curious they just so don't I can know either Right, so I can either attack that and be fucking condescending and like try to set them straight or I could just be like, oh shit, wait, I think that's my own insecurity and my own ego. Let's put that aside and let's really hear what they're asking. Oh shit, they really want to get to know them and they really don't know. Yeah. Like they really do not know. Like one of the questions I got asked once was like, um, and this was by one of my elderly family members years ago and they were like, wait, so what do they eat all day? Just like egg rolls and stuff? Because for us, the Mexican food we had, I mean, the Chinese food we had in the fucking hood were like those fast, like China Express. Yeah, those takeout places. Those takeout places, right? Yeah. Um, and it didn't have very much very variation other than like those few things that we would see because we loved eating Chinese food. But like now that I know better, I'm like, that's actually like not that good. Yeah. Um, And I remember going like, what the fuck? And then going, wait, but you've never interacted with any asian people so they really don't only know. stayed in your bubble yeah and i remember having that thought in my head where i'm about to like fucking attack and then i went oh shit wait this is what your background is oh wait wait wait, okay and i calmed down and then i was able to explain and she was just so fascinated and was like oh fuck can, do you think you could take me out to try it i've never even heard of these things and it sounds mm. cool and i'm like oh look at me and i was about to bash you you know so having that patience and not taking things personally and just being there um to help educate especially know? when you meet the family members yeah because some of them are even less exposed than you are yeah 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 that's what i mean yeah, yeah. um because that was something i learned where i was like about to start defending you know i'm gonna defend it at all costs and then i'm like wait why do i need to defend if there's nothing to really defend yeah so that was another another thing i had to yeah one thing with the whole like shoes taking off thing um we all knew on our street like whose house you have to take shoes off of and who doesn't so when we picked tag, when we played tag, we even knew whose house to play at. But oh, let's play at Mark's house. You don't have to take your shoes off. So huh? we could run in and out and in and out of the house. If we go to the Asian people's house, like my house or the Korean guy's house or whatever, then we it's gonna be a nuisance because as soon as you get through the front door, you have to take your shoes off, carry it, walk to the backyard, put it back on. And when you're trying to play tag, you're just trying to be as fast as you can. Yeah. So even something how else fun you guys would play tag within houses. Yeah, like in and out of the house. Like we just knew. Okay, if we want this, we go to this. Like our four best friends all lived in that same uh street how cool so when we wanted to play like we just knew okay we're gonna play like over here like we can i can go to my front lawn and see if my other friends are like playing in the front yard or not 
How cool. Cool, huh? That's super cool. Uh, cool. Cody NG96 asks, how did you both work through conflicts and fights early in your relationship? Early in the relationship, you're so stupid. You always think you're right. You're stupid in the relationship <laughs> and also early in life, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's double stupidity. Super stupidity. And we were together in our mid-20s. So, like, we would get into fights and it was literally, like, one of us going after a while, mainly probably Bart. I probably knew I was wrong and didn't even realize that I knew that I was wrong. And then going like, why would he make me feel like this? And blah. And I would just not resolve it. Like, I just was like, I'm not going to resolve it today. I don't want to deal with it today. And it was probably Bart coming in and going, can we talk about it? And then going, Argh! and then like me getting angry again. And then you getting angry again. And then we're both fucking angry and nothing really gets resolved. And it wasn't until like we really started at least for myself, it wasn't until I really started looking at myself and like these aspects of like areas that I didn't like in terms of like how I would solve problems or when I was feeling sad, how I would react because I didn't react with sadness and I didn't tell you that I was sad. I would just react with anger and it was, it was more, either, more with bitch. Okay, fine. Um, which is still <laughs> stem from anger, dude. Yeah, um, but bitch is better. Fine. It's funny. It's better. No, it's a better word because it, it's more encompassing. Fine. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> so like. I started recognizing my own patterns of like shit when X happens, Y reaction comes out. And then I was like, wait, but that's not how he meant it. Or that's not how the situation went down. Why am I taking things so personally? Or like, why did I react this way? If I'm sad, why am I getting angry? If I'm sad, I should say, hey, you know what? That thing that you did made me really sad. So it was like me taking a step back and recognizing what I was feeling during these like intense moments. Um, and then being able to, to really see past the emotion and be like, oh fuck, you know what I think is really happening? I think one of us is sad. I think the other one like made the other person really upset or disappointed. And it wasn't always just about an anger, um, uh, an angering situation. It was like, oh damn, I think I really disrespected him or like, oh shit, this is a sensitive subject. Instead of me just already getting defensive and going, well, what the fuck? Why do you have to talk like that? You know, and it, it doesn't ever help anything. Yeah, but it was just really it was it was just really looking at myself first and fixing my own shit before I can like put it on you. Yeah, one thing I think I realized uh, later on, because you have to go through a lot of fights and then a lot of self-reflection to figure out what is really causing a lot of it. And it was me realizing that people don't really get upset or when someone's upset, it's not really them talking. It's their traumas talking. Yeah. You know, like when someone gets get gets upset about something because something's not going their way right now. It could be when they were a kid, nothing went their way. So now there's their time to control, but they're not even aware or a conscious of that. It's their trauma talking. So knowing that, um, me kind of giving things a little bit more leniency as I'm talking and hearing things help ease my mind and not be so, um, like, rebuttally. Yeah. You know, because it's like, it's easy to get defensive and go like, why are they taking it that way? What the fuck? I say like this. But then that's also meaning you're having uh, your head up your own ass and you're speaking from your own trauma because you don't want to be wronged. 
you know? Yeah. So you've been wrong so many times that you're like, I finally fixed it and I know how to word things now. How come I'm still wronging this person or how, come, yeah. how do they see it that way? So it's just two people having to fight out of their own personal traumas versus if both people were actually level headed and they're aware of their traumas and they are, they're aware of how they need to speak to each other to solve things. Their word, word choice, tone choice is way different. Well, I think something that helped disarm that for me was really, really trusting you, right? And like, of course I trust you. At, and when I'm saying this trust, I'm not talking about like, oh, you're going to cheat on me or oh, you're going to steal from me or, or you're living a double life. Like that's not the type of trust I'm talking about. The type of trust that I'm talking about is that I can say something that I feel... Um, very vulnerable sharing or that I feel is going to be stupid or childish and I trust that when I put it on the table for you to see this thing or whatever my insecurity is I trust that you're not going to laugh at it and you're going to take it as serious as I am and that's the first step that really helped me um in opening up a lot more I felt that that like we had created or we had finally created a space where we could really say anything and the other person wasn't going to take it personally. So mm. I can tell you, hey, you know what? Your fucking breath smells every fucking morning and it pisses me off. And I'm sorry that it pisses me off, but I fucking hate it. And instead of you being like, well, what the fuck? You also have bad breath in the morning. Why the fuck is it on me? Why don't you check? Instead of you doing that, it was more like, oh, shit. Okay. So why do you think it, why do you think it offends you so much? I'm like, fuck, you know what? I don't know. So instead of you like taking it personally and as a personal attack, it was more so like, okay, this is Gio's issue that she's working on. How can I help guide her in like seeing this issue out? And then if it hurts you at the end of it, then you'd be like, hey, so really my breath smells and that like, like, do you, did you want me to change that? And But after I've resolved whatever I needed to resolve, I'm going like, oh, no, actually, it's not even about you. And most of the time, if it's not, it's probably like 90% of the time, our problems weren't even about the other person. Yeah. It really wasn't about the other person. It was really about ourselves and our trauma and like the unhealed fucking child and shit that was like, like holding on to this one situation and like making a big fucking catastrophic problem out of it. Um, and overreacting out of it and it was both of us just like fucking two little kids just having tantrums with each other yeah one sentence that i read that i was like wow that's pretty deep and it takes a lot but once you understand it and if you can apply it then um a lot more conflicts would be smooth sailing and it's by mark ronson uh the author of the subtle art of not giving a fuck and he says <laughs> <laughs> is it yeah, is that what it's called yeah, the subtle art of not giving a fuck is that what it is oh yeah. okay wait i was confusing two books and i was like wait did you just confuse two titles my bad and then he says um you can't help what you feel but you can control how you react to those feelings yeah and i'm like wow that blew my mind because i think most people forget that there's actually a gap right most people go Here's my senses, whether it's my feelings, my eyes, my ears, whatever. Here's my senses. I feel and then boom, there's my action. But actually, it's I feel. How do I process those feelings and then my reaction? And I think the more and more you're aware and the people that are very aware of that gap and have full That's control so of the hard. gap, that gap yeah. is uh, what is like the key to having successful or unsuccessful relationships. You know, someone could say something that's insulting 
and then they say it and if you're mean man fuck you back or you why wait why did that insult like you feel obviously you can't help what you feel right you're just you're feeling man i felt like shit wait why did why did that rub me that wrong way and then you can process and think and go okay how do i how do i respond to my own emotions because your brain and your heart are two different organs we operate as if it's like one but it's two right so okay let's use the brain now why does my heart feel this way and then respond back and that has helped so much too yeah versus like if you just say something and i just get pissed and i just retaliate and then it just ends up going nowhere you know yeah and also in an argument um we aren't really listening to understand you know like if you really just try to understand the person again by not taking things personally then you can you can have that separation of the brain and the heart um and have that time that little buffer section where you're like oh shit okay this is what they're really trying to communicate um what was the question how did we get over it um yeah how, how do, do we, we how, do, how do we deal with like early uh fights and conflicts in the relationship how did we deal with it like fucking savages we didn't deal with them we yeah. were fighting all the goddamn time we were fighting literally every day um it was horrible we were animals <laughs> yeah all right next one joseph hone wants to ask what foods are you craving right oh, now? <laughs> all of them, dude. All of them. If so someone I, could tell you, like, if someone can go, oh, right whatever now, you right say now? right now, like that. I have it right oh. in front of me. What is it? Uh, pizza straight from Italy. Ooh. Like a big fucking extra large pizza. Like a juicy pizza. And then I want some pistachio gelato. Ooh. Yes. I'm like on a, oh man, just give me pasta while you're at it. Give me some French fucking baguettes. And some croissants, yeah, warm out of the oven. When you bite it, it's like, yes. Damn, um, you want some quality shit? You know what I want? <laughs> ass. McDonald's. Gross. <laughs> I just want like a Gross. large Coke, some fries, no, dude. some burger with sodium, and it just gets me bloated. No. What else do I want? Mm, I want some udon, like some high quality ass udon. I could probably eat that now, but too many carbs in that bitch um oh god donuts give me some crispy cream donuts what kind of cheese what kind of cheese we any, talk about any drippy cheese like any like pizza any like cheese I just nacho cheese. i want some carne asada fucking why did i say like that carne asada fucking nachos from king taco oh you know what's been popping up on my feed too birria taco birria tacos are bomb let me get some of that a fucking root beer float what else do I want to eat right now? You know what's crazy? Some cheesecake. Some strawberry motherfucking cheesecake. What do you think about it? 12 weeks isn't a long time. It's not. It's like three months, right? But then you go, and, and I've, I've been eating all this shit for like two have, years. I have, and I was fucking complaining. For oh, two, not years, two years, right? I've been eating it for two years. And it's like, oh, I can't handle it without for three weeks. And I'm like, why are my urges so crazy? Yeah. <laughs> I see Taika because he's eating anything he wants. He's loving he's it. He's eating m and like those peanut butter. I mean, those peanut M&M's. Oh. Oh, peanut man. butter. I just want some peanut butter. I know. Mm -hmm. God damn. What else? What else do I want? Damn, I've been like going in. You don't want anything? Mainly McDonald's. And what? what would you order from McDonald's? Oh, like a double quarter pounder with cheese and uh, with mac sauce. And then fish fillet, and then a six-piece chicken nugget, and um, McFlurry, and then large Coke with extra ice. I actually, did you see the new Big Mac like meal or something? Mm -mm. I could actually eat that by myself. 
So there's like a new like two for one like Big Mac meal. There's two Big Macs? It's two Big Macs. Disgusting. Listen, listen. Two Big Macs. Disgusting. Two Big Macs plus 20 chicken nuggets. What the And two drinks. Fuck. I could eat that whole no thing by myself. No wonder fucking everyone's obese right now. Well, how I think unhealthy that's made, I think is it's that? made for two, but I could eat all by myself. Yeah, how many people are really going to fucking share that? That's horrible, dude. All that food is so fucking bad. One, once once a month, maybe. You know, right after this, I'm going to DM our coach. And I'm like, when, when's, when's our uh, refeed? No, day? God damn it, you. <laughs> Just fucking put your head down and do the fucking work. Don't already start fucking dangling a carrot. Pretend a carrot. <laughs> Check it out. This is what you got to do. Pretend a carrot is never going to be dangled. Just fucking pretend it's going to be 12 weeks of horror. So when it does surprise you, when he's like, hey, refeed, you're going to be like, yes. <laughs> you're the worst. I fucking love food. I don't even know. I do know because you're fucking always trying to cheat. He does. So there's like these crab legs. Mm. <laughs> I wasn't cheating on the like, crab legs. I didn't cheat at all. Yeah. <laughs> that whole that. meal was all nah. fucking in oil, dude. Nope, nope, nope. But it was we no. What? No. Nah. <laughs> fucking nah. cheat. It was I a didn't cheat, cheat meal. No, it was shrimp, crab, yeah, the most leanest shrimp proteins kind of shrimp. ever. They probably sauteed it in butter. And That's why it, it tasted so bomb. And when guess shrimp, what? Shrimp by itself is dry as. And fuck. guess what? They took it out of the butter. So they sauteed in the butter and they took it out of the butter. Okay. I didn't but. drink the sauce. You ate the shrimp that's doused in it, dude. Yeah, they doused it and I undoused it. How? I didn't see you dip it in no water. I went like this. <laughs> anyway. And then there's a shrimp cocktail. You're the worst. Nah, I love food. You spent $200 for some bullshit ass meal that still made your ass fat. No, I got lean from that one. <laughs> Fine. You're going to lose this competition. No, 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 no. All right. <laughs> Uh, this is probably our last question by Mahir98. How to combat work fatigue, especially from a work from home setting? Oh, this is actually uh, one of the reasons why I think uh, I don't think work from home is actually a good thing. It's not a good thing. I think it takes... I don't think it's good at all, but a lot of lazy people are like, finally dreams come true. And I'm like, y'all don't even know. And the reason why actually, they don't know... Because I actually think it takes a highly disciplined person to have a tub of ice cream in front of you and not eat it. Right? So when you work from home, all your comforts are there. Your bed, your whatever. Everything is there, right? You're even in jammas if you wanted to. And... um. Now you have to. Jamos, that's cute. Yeah, you you have to always constantly resist. Whereas when you're in a workplace, it's very clear cut. You know, all those comforts aren't there, and because everyone's peers, there's a duty to like uphold a standard. So everyone, you're you're just operating on a different wavelength, and that wavelength helps power you through a lot of stuff versus having all these constant like temptations. That coupled with um your work is at home now i don't like that feeling so when we were first building our companies we couldn't afford anything so obviously our office was also our house and it doesn't feel like a house anymore because as soon as you look over in that corner and you see your laptop staring at you and you're like fuck or maybe a lot of people don't think this way uh, but I know for me, I would see that laptop and I'd be chilling on my couch and I feel guilty that I'm not working. 
because I love I love what I do right so for me I have to like resist from working right I have to tell myself wait I need family time like if I didn't need to sleep I would be like okay cool I had my family fill cool I want to go back to work like that's how I am and you're the exact same way like if you didn't need sleep or fucking to eat or shit or whatever you'd probably be working too because it's just we love what we do yeah um so having that in my home space was very stressful and I didn't know how to unplug because I'm like fuck I feel like a lazy bitch sitting on my couch when I'm like fuck I could be way more productive and I'm like my shit's right there fuck I'm just gonna be productive and I couldn't I couldn't disconnect from it and I'm like fuck I need I need to separate these spaces because this is not gonna work for me like my mental health was was not good mm -hmm. um and I think that that's another thing that people are feeling where it's like your home is supposed to be your safe haven but that's now where you're getting reprimanded and now that's where all these bad conversations are happening or this is where a bad meeting is happening or some fucking I don't know catastrophes happening like it's it's the worst like now that room has this like weird heavy energy to it that I'm like nah bro Take it away. I'll go back to the office and I'll fucking cuss every direction that I'm going. And fucking, I hate it there, but I'm so grateful when I can leave that energy behind and be like, okay, fine. Out of sight, out of mind, baby. I'm here with you now. Like another conversation that I hear, I'm like, man, I don't know if that's really good, is um, people like hit me up that work like a regular job, right? And they're like, hey, you want to grab lunch uh, this day? Or I'm, I'm going to go to a do uh, my doctor's appointment during this time. And I'm like, wait, don't you have work during those hours? He goes, yeah, I work from home. And I'm like, damn, I don't know if that's and that that attitude is a good <laughs> attitude to have towards something that you're trying to work hard at. So you could be proud of yourself at. Right. Like everyone that's in a job, they're trying to get promoted. Right. That's what I'm assuming. People want to do good at a job, get promoted, get higher responsibilities, higher pay and advance. But you're not going to advance if you have a like that kind of. Uh, attitude towards things yeah. and also on the flip side if uh, I like in my company if I found some, found out that someone was applying and had that attitude I'd for sure like oh no like you have a very me me type of uh, how do I bend like all my responsibilities around what I want and you don't have that team mindset you have a more of an I mindset you know so like I don't even think that's conducive because now not only do you have to be your own worker, you have to be your own manager. And that's a lot of stress too. Yeah, I mean, assuming it came from that place, but it could also come from a place of like, yo, I'm a really efficient worker and I already got it all done. Maybe it's not a... Yeah. You know, and that's also like that. That's also like a... So there is a there's but a good and a bad, But if you voice it right? like that, that's different. You know, like, oh, I get all my work done before 11. Oh, I see, I'm I like, see. cool. But then the... I get is more of like my boss doesn't even know what the like fuck I'm doing. I can squeeze out two hours and it won't even make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely perks to working from home for sure. I see it, especially like I'm grateful I get to work from home sometimes when I have, you know, when I have to watch Taika because I'm like, fuck, man, what a blessing. So it has its its pros and its cons. But to answer that question specifically, um, you know, when you work from home and getting that fatigue for me, what helps and it helps you too because we always talk about this is just going out for a walk around the block going out for a walk around the block leaving like physically getting yourself out of that room for a little bit kind of decompressing getting some sun on your skin um if you can probably get like a good little sweat session like a quick little workout maybe even take a shower um 
those, those little those little things for me help a lot for me it's uh schedules and then discipline to stick to the schedule so i'm also a realist so i'm like like let's say he was like a buddy of mine right and he and like like let's say we work together i'm like how many hours do you need to sleep a day where you don't feel tired and then he goes uh nine cool then it's on you to make sure you get nine hours of sleep so if you need to be in like let's say i'll just make the math easy if we need to be in by nine you should probably be asleep by 11 so that you have 11 to 8 and then you have an hour to get ready and even wind down at probably 10. so set that schedule okay cool but after four hours i get tired or whatever cool then no coffee in the morning have your coffee right when you're about to get tired or do you have enough time to split your hour lunch into a 30 minute eat 30 minute nap and then just have a set schedule and stick to it like no matter what and because ultimately, if your goal is I want to be optimized and I want to maximize my performance so I can keep advancing in life, but I don't want to let my biology hold me back, then I would say structure your life so that it maximizes your biology. But now it's up to your own discipline to stick to it so that you can advance mm, forward. That's way better advice that's, than the tips I just gave. That That's what I would. Well, because that's what I noticed for myself. Yeah. Yeah. You're a big scheduler. Yeah. Because I'm like. It's um, if you already aren't that disciplined, it's very hard for you to do things that you're not normally doing. Yeah. Right. So to me, I'm like, let's lower the barrier of entry because we want to be successful. Right. Success builds success. So how can we get you successful in a small way? So the first small way is let's just get you enough sleep every night. Yeah. Because then that already makes you a different being different yeah. creature yeah. right like imagine like a hungry tiger versus a full tiger full tiger might see a gazelle walk by and go mm. hungry tiger is like this is the same creature right so like let's get you in the mode where you're firing and your engines are on let's do that first where that way you're already prone to being productive and successful and then eventually like turn those notches more and more and more, and more. that's how i see it that's why schedules to me are so um are so dope and so critical because literally the schedule, like, you know, like in any of those special operations assessments, like Rangers, Raiders, Navy SEALs, all they really do is change the schedule. And then your world world turns into hell. You know, all they're really doing is mm, you're going to sleep at 2 a.m. and then wake up at 4 a.m. And then literally just by changing the schedule, you're fucking brain is fucked They're like fuck two hours of sleep a night what the fuck and then like mm, and then also let's make you tired so we'll we'll work out a little bit more and we'll make you hungry right so tired hungry lack of sleep the toughest of men crumble and we'll hold that for two weeks and we'll see who lasts that's all they're really doing so that's why how that's why the schedule is so important it can literally transform Damn, someone that's such a fucking dope explanation really you son of a fucking bitch you're smart <laughs> really yeah yeah schedules will literally optimize you turn you into the hungry tiger or to the full tiger that's not gonna do shit yeah fuck what i said listen to bart yeah that's why <laughs> schedules to me um are so so important and if you learn how to optimize and you recognize what you need and you optimize it to that way you will be surprised at your own performance damn i'm so happy you're doing a fucking mentorship really <laughs> i'm like i seriously sometimes when we do this goddamn podcast i'm just like 
Okay, yeah. And then what else with the schedule? <laughs> All right. Wait, what what do they what do I should do? Oh yeah, okay, I'll write it down. Seriously. Time's one hundred, man. Don't sleep on it. <laughs> you're kidding. Uh your class is closed now, but you are gonna take uh about a month to just kind of like uh dissect how this first one went, see what you can do better, yeah. what you can maximize, um, what you need to keep, throw out, and then the next one might be in like August, September. Yeah. Sick. So sign if you want to sign up, it's times one hundred dot com. Uh, go there right now and then you'll get all the updates on when the next enrollment is. I didn't mean to plug it. Yeah. Like I I didn't mean to do a shameless plug, even though I'm gonna plug all of our own shit. But um it just it just felt like I I literally like you fucking melted my brain by simplifying it so much, right? Like we've heard that saying like uh complexity is the enemy of execution. Right. Yeah. So like if something seems so fucking complicated, you're like frozen. You're like, I don't even know how to move, but you simplified it so much that I'm like wow it really literally just is that and if i have access to you in that way and i know that now other people have access to you i'm gonna put it out there because holy shit you have some really great gems you know and then like for me to selfishly hold that you have this mentorship program and not put it out there for other people to sign up when i'm seeing the benefits just personally i'm like why would i be selfish like that so what is it again uh times-100.com I'm such a good wife. You better be massage me. You better kidding tonight. me. I'll massage between your legs. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> you're you're always missing the spots. No no no! I plugged you the miss, whole you spot. You missed the fucking knots, dude. No, I plugged the and whole spot. And they're right in front of your face. There's only one knot. I was blessed. One it. knot, I was and you this. always just fucking go around it. And no, I'm like, I was, hello. I was blessed like this. I blessed like this. Look look. Well, if 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 Bart ever teaches a course on sex, don't <laughs> sign up for that one, okay? Sex-100.com. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, on that note, thank you guys so much for submitting these questions. These are always so rad because it makes us go into different corners of our brain so that we can properly answer. And, like, it just it triggers so many cool memories and, like, discussions. And I absolutely love them. So we will for sure continue to do these. Thank you so much for following us. And thank you so much for listening um, to this whole thing. We're hoping, we're hoping you're having a great day, a great week, a great month. And if it's not... Don't worry about it. You can turn it around. You have the power to do so. Um, but until next time, see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.